Let's turn to John chapter 5. It should be your delight to be in the house of the Lord. It should lift your soul and spirit. Redirect your mind. Sends you out of here with joy in your heart. Excitement at the truth the Lord has shown us. At the power that he revealed in this certain man's life at the pool of Bethesda. Verse 9 ended with a transitional clause. Connecting the section verses 1 through 9 to the section 10 through 16. The Jews did not like the fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, and so we take that up for the remainder of our minutes today. I read to you verses 10 through 16 of John 5. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is he which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple. And said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Amen and amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, with the same power that blessed Peter at Pentecost, bless me in a few minutes to show this church and any other hearers the glory of your word and the glory of your Son and how we should rightly divide the word of truth and judge righteous judgment and not by appearance only. In Jesus' name, save us from being righteous overmuch. Amen. Amen. Verse 10. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. A Pharisee, sticklers for the written law, can spot such violations a mile away. They're made for it. They love black and white rules of the Bible to hold people accountable to them and miss, at times, the mercy and the Messiah that modifies some of those commandments. They measure their religion by black and white rules based on their application rather than what God said. They have no ability, conscience, or reason to ever look beyond the appearance because that's enough for them. Their words, it is the Sabbath. Isn't it wonderful to have such deep observations about the facts of a situation? There's nothing about, you're whole. I thought you were impotent for 38 years. Look at how you're walking. Where was your rehab done? None of that. It is the Sabbath day. Where did the Sabbath come from? God gave it as a special sign to Israel only. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. Let's do a little Sabbath work on Sunday. Deuteronomy chapter 5. I'm going to lay some, several points on you, not as long as the series I preached called Christian or Sabbatarian. You can't be both. 
because you can't be both. Jesus nailed the Sabbath to the cross and destroyed it. It's a relic of religion of the Old Testament. If you're still keeping it, you're not a Christian because you're not following Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 15. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Notice, the Sabbath is a result of God delivering Israel out of Egypt. It is a special sign gift blessing to them for 1,500 years from 1,500 B.C., 2,500 years after creation, until the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was to Israel, and it was to them based on God delivering them out of Egypt where they didn't get a day off. So he gave them a day off. And it says that in, in places that I'm not turning you to right now because of time. It says that. I'm giving you, your oxen, your asses, your children, your servants, your maidservants a day of rest out of seven so that you can rest after your hard bondage in the land of Egypt. You haven't come out of bondage. The Sabbath isn't for us Gentiles. It was for the Jews. Look at Nehemiah chapter 9. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms. Nehemiah chapter 9. Lord, we thank thee for thy word. Others can have disputes, discussions, and debates over these things. They're not debatable to us. Right. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 13. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them... Is, this is incredible, isn't it? and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandedst them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. Keep that in mind. I'm going to be using these axioms of deductive reasoning to apply to other passages of Scripture. Let's go to Ezekiel. Let's get three different Bible writers. We've had Moses in Deuteronomy, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah, now Ezekiel, chapter 20. Ezekiel, chapter 20. Where'd the Sabbath come from? They said, it is the Sabbath day. They didn't notice the man was healed. They just cared about their Sabbath day. Ezekiel, chapter 20, and verse 12. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths. He's referring to God bringing Israel out of Egypt, verse 10. I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt, verse 12. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. It is a special sign between God and the Israelites for 1,500 years. No one observed it for 2,500 years from creation to Mount Sinai. No one has observed it since the resurrection of Jesus Christ as a Christian. Where did the Sabbath come from? I just gave you three of four references. Well, we're in Ezekiel 20. Why don't we look at verse 20 as well? And hallow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. It was a special sign between Israel and God. If you want to learn truth, young men, I know the time. You have a few more minutes left with me. I have a few more minutes with you. I want you to understand the Sabbath. I don't want anyone to be able to pull wool over your eyes ever, and they will try. The Seventh-day Adventists say 
that worshiping on Sunday like we are right now is the mark of the beast. We have chosen to submit ourselves to the Antichrist by worshiping on Sunday. They say that it was the Roman Catholic Church that changed the day of worship from the Jewish Sabbath to the Sunday worship that we now practice. That is not true at all. There wasn't a Catholic church until about 600 AD, and it was the apostles that changed it. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But young men, learn truth. Learn the Bible. Learn about the Sabbath. Young women, only Israel kept the Sabbath. From Mount Sinai to Jesus' resurrection, 1,500 years. The earth is 6,000 years old. The Sabbath was only observed for a quarter of that time. Moses wrote Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Let's go look at it. Genesis chapter 2. When you meet a good Sabbatarian, they will tell you that it didn't come from Moses, that it is a creation ordinance. Did Adam write it? Genesis 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Did God need to rest? Was seven days the limit of his power? Of course not. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Did Adam ever read those words? Did Methuselah ever read those words? Did Abraham ever read those words? Did Enoch ever read those words? Did Isaac ever read those words? Did Jacob ever read those words? Did anyone in the age of the patriarchs for 2,500 years ever read those words? Never. Came down from Mount Sinai from God. God gave the first five books of the Bible, which are the laws and the precepts and the judgments and the commandments that he gave Israel through Moses, who established that nation and church as an organ... As a, as, a, as a nation and a church. Moses wrote this. These are called the books of Moses by the Bible, internal to the Bible. Moses wrote these, and he wrote them with revelation given to him on Mount Sinai. No one else had read these before. No one else other than the Jews read them after the Genesis was not read by other nations. Psalm 147, 19 and 20 tells us that God only gave his word to the Jewish nation. They're the ones that read this. They understood this in a Mount Sinai context that this is a special sign between God and us. And I have to keep moving. Much more has been said, could be said, but this is enough for right now. Let's get to the next point. Don't let anybody pull that on you. Moses wrote that. And Moses wrote that with the light of Mount Sinai. This was written to whom? Was it written to Abraham? Was it written to Methuselah? Was it written to Cain? It was written to Israel. So that they would know the commandments and the precepts of the Lord. The next point, was the Sabbath important to God? You can turn to Numbers 15 and we'll find out if it was important. It was very important and it was punishable by death. It was a capital crime. It was included in the Ten Commandments, though it is not a moral issue. It was a ceremonial issue of a special sign between God and Israel. And I've already shown you that it was a sign between God and Israel. It wasn't a moral issue like taking life. When the Bible says, thou shalt not kill, there's a moral issue at stake, and that's life. The worship of God, whether it's on the seventh day of the week or the first day of the week, is a ceremonial issue, not a moral issue. Right. It changed. Numbers chapter 15 is dealing with presumptuous sins. It's also dealing with a blue fringe that will remind some of you of a sermon on holiness that I preached to you a long time ago. 
Verse 32, Numbers 15, verse 32, And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they, had, and they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward, because it was not declared what should be done to him. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died, as the Lord commanded Moses. It's because he sinned presumptuously by going out on the Sabbath unnecessarily and picking up sticks. It was indeed very important to God and punishable by death. So important was the Sabbath and the Jews' forsaking of the Sabbath. The seventh day, wanting to work to make extra money. Does that remind you of America? Forgetting the seventh year. They were supposed to take a Sabbath year off every seventh year, and they didn't do that. They were afraid of losing money. So God sent them to Babylon, and the Bible tells us this is why he sent them to Babylon. Since you did not want to keep my years of release, it's a lot of math. I don't, I don't want to bore you with it right now, but you do 70 times 7 and find out four, 490 years divided by every seventh year. You get 70 of them. So guess how God got Israel to let the land lay desolate for 70 years. He put them all in Babylon for 70 years. And he tells us that's why he did it. That's how important the Sabbath was to him and his relationship with Israel. Next question. What was the Sabbath specifically for? It was for rest by God's mercy for his church. Look at Exodus 23. When I say the church in the Old Testament, that's what it's called in the Bible. It's the church in the wilderness. It's called that in Acts chapter 7, the church in the wilderness. You said, I didn't know there was a church in the wilderness that came out of Egypt. Those people of God were called the church. They were his congregation. They were the children of the Lord. They were the children of Israel, the congregation of the Lord. Exodus 23, verse 12. Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest. Why? Lord, tell us why. That thine ox and thine ass may rest. It's not fair to work an ass eight days in a row. That thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. Praise the Lord for this. That the Lord gave one day of rest out of seven. Look at societies, read productivity results of not having a day off and working like several months without a day off. Productivity declines from you can produce more with a 15% reduction in hours spent by working six days a week and taking one off. This is why. It was in mercy for rest. Let's go to Deuteronomy 5 again. And maybe here I can find a few short verses to show you. Well, I've already read verse 15 to you, so we'll read verses 12 through 14 to show you that it was to make up for their loss of rest in Egypt. 12, keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. Why all the repetition about God commanding Israel to keep the Sabbath if it had been kept for 2,500 years from Adam and Eve? You ought to read Exodus 16 and see the confusion about manna. They didn't know know how to keep the Sabbath. 
And so God said, if you cheat on, Saturday, if you cheat on the sixth day of the week, the man, is not, the man is going to spoil every day of the week except the sixth. When you gather on the sixth day, you need to gather twice as much, and it will not spoil for the seventh. And some of them didn't want to do the little bit of extra work on the sixth day. So they went out on the seventh day, and they got in trouble with Moses. And God said, what in the world are they doing out there? It's all found in Exodus 16. The whole chapter is about the rules for manna. Because no one had observed it. It shocks people. But what about Genesis 2? Moses wrote Genesis 2. Verse 13 of Deuteronomy 5. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Your God has delivered you, and he's merciful, and he's kind, and he's giving you every seventh day off. Man was made for God. Proverbs 16, 4, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. But the Sabbath was made for man. Mark 2, 27, Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And that principle you ought to have embedded in your head, that God has made certain things for us, to keep us, help us, bless us, protect us, like that Sabbath day of rest for Israel. He didn't, the, the, the seventh day was not some moral issue that he made man for to worship that thing called the seventh day. Right. He made that thing called the seventh day to help man have some time off. And that's how it's supposed to be applied in either testament. Right. What was the Sabbath specifically for? Rest, ease, comfort, and to be refreshed. What if you had to break it to keep it? Is that possible with a law? Break the law's letter to keep its spirit. Matthew chapter 12. These are worth more than you could ever pay or that I could ever pay. Let me put me first. I have thanked God and I've thanked God in front of all of you that have known me for a long time for the blessing of verses like this. These are principles of wisdom and principles, this is a principle of mercy, it's a principle of wisdom, it's a principle of Christian ethics on how we apply the Word of God. Matthew 12, verse 1, At that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were at hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. So they're harvesting on the Sabbath day and eating. They, they didn't prepare the previous day. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. There they go again with the letter of the law about the Sabbath day. Jesus responded by saying, Have you never read your Bibles? Right. You th I know we sound harsh sometimes, but this is the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not know the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible said, Have ye not read about David? David ate the showbread that was lawful only for the priests to eat. Now, what do you think about that? He entered into the house of God and ate the showbread that was not lawful, and he gave it to his buddies that were with him. That's verses 3 and 4. Have you not read the book of Moses and the law of God about how the priests on the Sabbath day profane the Sabbath? How do you profane the Sabbath as a priest? Because on the Sabbath day you work harder than any other day of the week. And so Jesus called it profaning the Sabbath by working extra hard on the Sabbath day. Why don't you jump on their case? 
This is the Lord Jesus Christ defending his apostles. And here's the answer. Oh, there's more answers, and I don't have, do not have time. Look at verse 6. I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. If the temple was justification to break the Sabbath, there was one standing in their presence that was greater than the temple. It was the God of the temple, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, but if ye had known what this meaneth. Now he quotes from the Bible the third time. He refers to the Old Testament scriptures the third time. If ye had known. If you people weren't ignorant of the Bible. If ye had known what this meaneth. It's out of Hosea 6. It's out of the book of Proverbs chapter 21. It is taught by Solomon. It is taught by Hosea. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would not have condemned the guiltless. Mercy is more important to me than keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath was only made for mercy anyway. So if you can do something to refresh yourself on the Sabbath, go ahead and do it, even if it's breaking the letter of the law. If your ox is in a ditch, pull him out. If your sheep need being led to watering, he refers to these throughout the Gospels, go ahead and lead them to watering. Thank you, Lord. That is powerful doctrine, but it's a principle. So Pharisees don't like it. It's not black and white. It's a, you got to make a judgment. One man went out and picked up sticks and died for it. These, peop, these apostles picked corn and did not die for it. What's the difference? There was no necessity upon the man that went out and picked up sticks because the context of Numbers 15 is a presumptuous sin. These men were hungry. They were hungry. Could they have waited till the next day? Of course. But were they hungry? If you're hungry on the Sabbath day, which was designed for rest and mercy, you should go ahead and eat. It's just beautiful. Amen. This is the God we worship. This is the Savior that taught us how to reason in the scriptures. David was a little bit hungry. Nadab and Abihu, when they offered strange fire, and God sent fire down and burned up two sons of Levi, two sons of Aaron, excuse me, rightful priests at the right tabernacle, worshiping the right God, they were the right men to do it, but God burned them up. Why? Because it was a presumptuous sin to worship in a way other than what had been commanded. So they died, but David didn't. It wasn't presumptuous by David. He was hungry. You say, could he have waited till the next day? Yes, he could have. But God is merciful. Right. And I will err on the side of mercy. And this applies to other situations than just the Sabbath, and we've dealt with that before. Turn to Mark, where we have the same event recorded by Mark, but he gives us a different principle. Oh, Lord, this stuff is so precious to understand how you think and how you want us to think and how to apply your Bible and how to measure and match and synthesize your commandments and precepts and judgments and laws together to arrive at a body of truth that will stand the test of your word. We thank you. Mark 2, verse 23, begins the same event. It came to pass that he went through the cornfields. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to go to verse 27 because I want a different principle. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. This is the principle of intent, the intent of a law. The first principle was the principle of mercy. God values mercy more than his commandments. When there's a time and a place to show mercy, show it. Even if it means breaking his commandment. That was Matthew 12, 7. This one is the principle of intent. You to look at a commandment and, and try to figure out what is the intent of this commandment. 
Oh, the intent is rest. So if I can get rest by eating a little bit, I should go ahead and do it. Because the Sabbath was made to help me. I wasn't made to worship this thing called the Sabbath. It applies to marriage. And I've dealt with that before. No time to do that now. And in both places, Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I can change and explain it and apply it to you in any way that I choose. When was the Sabbath changed? Look at Colossians chapter 2. Lord, I'm running out of time. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. <coughs> the Old Testament Sabbath days were but a shadow of rest. When you go to Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, and God there from Psalm 95 promises a rest for the people of God, Paul reasons in Hebrews chapter 4, the rest is not the Sabbath day, and the rest is not the land of Canaan, which was a land of rest because the cities were already built and all that stuff was done. That is not the rest. The real rest is Jesus finished the work of salvation, and we can sit back and rest in it. It's the real rest of the gospel. Because the Sabbath is gone, it was just a little shadow of a rest. The real rest is Jesus has done everything for us. And we don't have to do anything. There's no taking animals to the, to the altar and sacrificing them and all of those things to work out our own justification. Jesus secured it for us. Look at 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. When was the Sabbath changed? They say it was changed by the Catholics. We say it was changed by the Apostles. And I've given you Colossians 2, which says that no man can ever judge you about the Sabbath days. If they say that's the holy days of the special Sabbaths, of the special ceremonial feasts during the years, show them in those two verses that it already listed holy day. So it's not talking about holy days or holidays. It's talking about the weekly Sabbath because it already mentioned holy days. And that was said in love. You say, why are you so upset about Sabbatarians? Is it because of anybody we know? No, it's not because of anybody you know. It's because I get hammered with it every single week of my life. Because they see our website and they know we have so much truth, but they want to convince us of the Sabbath day, and they haven't done it yet. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 16.1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia. This is an apostle with the right and the authority from Jesus Christ to give orders to the Gentile churches. And I've given orders to the churches in western Turkey. Now you in Achaia of Greece, I'm giving you the same order upon the first day of the week. Now would you tell me what day that is? Is that the Sabbath or is that Sunday? That's Sunday. That's the first day of the week. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. When it comes to the worship of giving, it was done on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16, by apostolic order. Who changed the day of worship? Paul did. Okay, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Nahushtan. It's a piece of brass. The Sabbath. It's a calendar day. It's a relic. Acts 20. Verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, upon what day of the week? The first day of the week. 
How do we pronounce that in English? Sunday. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. So preaching services and breaking of bread took place in the first day of the week, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. <laughs> that makes me feel better. Forgive me for saying anything about a four-hour day. <laughs> we learned about new worship in John 4 already. That they weren't going to be worshiping in truth in Jerusalem. Because Jesus was promising a change in worship, and the worship was reformed, and the apostles picked the first day of the week, so Christians have ignored the Jewish Sabbath for 2,000 years. The council at Jerusalem gave no order for the Gentiles to keep the Sabbath. When there was a church council that was supposed to deal with what parts of the law of Moses should Gentile Christians observe, the Sabbath wasn't even mentioned. Is there a Christian Sabbath today? No. It is a Jewish relic that is entirely gone. We are not Reformed Baptists or Reformed Presbyterians or anything like that that think that there is some hangover. We don't have the brass serpent that we're burning incense to. We break it in pieces. There is nothing in the Bible about a Christian Sabbath. Nothing. There is nothing in the Bible that says what you can, cannot do, should do, should not do on the Lord's Day. There's practical wisdom and that's all there is. That if you go out and get too engaged in carnality, you're going to forget what you heard in the house of the Lord. If you go out and engage in too much activity, you'll be tired. There's just, but it, it's just a matter of liberty. I have stronger opinions than most of you, but I don't press them on the church and I don't mention them. There's no Christian Sabbath. Had to help a young lady outside of our church that uh, some of you know recently about this very subject. The first day of the week is never called the Sabbath. It's called the Lord's Day. Revelation chapter 1. There are no rules given for or against any activity, so it's a matter of liberty. But what about Jesus and Paul, somebody will say? Did they not both keep the Sabbath faithfully? Yes, Jesus kept the Sabbath because he was a Jew born under the law of Moses. Right. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law. He kept the, of course he kept the law. What else happened to him on his eighth day of life? He was circumcised. Does that mean that we all got to do that too? No. Because he, he was a Jew under the law of Moses. What about the Apostle Paul? Can we turn to 20 different places in the book of Acts and find Paul going into synagogues on the Sabbath day? Uh -huh. Yes, we can. Was he going in there to worship as a Christian or was he going in there to evangelize Jews and Gentile proselytes? B is the correct answer. Lord, love you. What about its perpetual use? Does it say any place in the Bible that the Sabbath is a command forever? It sure does. I like it. I like it that it says that. It says the same thing for circumcision. Genesis 17. Circumcision is an everlasting covenant. How long did it last? 1,500 years for as long as God had any dealings with the nation of Israel as a nation and as the Old Testament church. You mean that's all that, the, that commandment applies to? The words forever, perpetual, and everlasting? That's all. Yep. He circumcised Timothy and wouldn't circumcise Titus and he wouldn't keep the Sabbath day and he turned to all the Gentile churches to worship on the first day of the week. John chapter 5, we got to finish. You got the lesson though. They hated him for it. If you read John 7 last night, while you're turning to John 5, turn to John 7 as well. It says in John 7, 19, Jesus is speaking to them. This is going to be a year later. This is a year later. Because if you look at 6, 6, he's up in Galilee. Look at verse six, verse 1 of chapter 6. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee. 
A year later, he comes back to Jerusalem. See verse 1 of chapter 7? After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, that's around Jerusalem, because the Jews sought to kill him. Why'd they want to kill him? Because of what he did in chapter 5. They are still remembering that event of healing the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda. And so in John 7, verse 19, did not Moses give you the law? Look at his questions. And yet none of you keepeth the law. Why go ye about to kill me? Out of the Ten Commandments, you certainly can see the commandment of the Sabbath day. But out of the Ten Commandments, what about the one, thou shalt not kill? The people answered and said, thou hast a devil. Who goeth about to kill thee? Jesus, I can't read the whole thing, brethren. Verse 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Then said some of them of Jerusalem, is not this he whom they seek to kill? Now, did they, were they seeking to kill him by verse 25 or not seeking to kill him by verse 20? They're so confused and liars, these Jews were, about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this particular case, the example Jesus used was circumcision. Jews, if a baby was born eight days before the Sabbath, do you circumcise it on a Sabbath day? Yes, we will, because we're going to keep the law. Oh, you're going to keep the law of circumcision, and you're going to cut a man and make his life pretty miserable, a baby boy, on the Sabbath day, but because I made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day, I should die? It doesn't get any better reasoning than that. And our Lord was the master of it. John 5. John 5. We've read verse 10. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And you understand them looking at the letter of the law. Jesus having made a man whole. Ignored it altogether. Was that man going to have the best Sabbath of his life right now? The best Sabbath of his life. He was going to run around. Instead of covering one, he was going to carry his bed. He was going to march upstairs, clean his house, cut the grass. He was going to do whatever he could in in enjoyment. And he went to the temple because Jesus found him there later. He that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. And that's why Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, because he's able to make men whole because he's God in the flesh and was able to tell him to violate the Sabbath in its letter in order to keep its spirit And they asked him, what man was it that said that to you? Who are we up against in this matter of the Sabbath keeping? And he didn't know who it was because Jesus had left the scenes quickly, a multitude being in that place. And remember, I've just shown you again that he was trying to avoid the Jews around Jerusalem because they wanted to kill him. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. You've been cured. You're the only one there at the pool of Bethesda. You've been put back together. You have no more impotency. You can do anything you want. You're fully healed. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. We don't need to read into this that he was afraid the man was going to go and tell the Jews. We don't have to do that. It's just a warning that we all should remember. Sin. What, what causes trouble and chastening from God? What causes men to be weak, sickly, and some to die prematurely in 1 Corinthians 11? Because they sinned, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. God can turn your life upside down and inside out if you don't give yourself wholly to him in in obedience to his word. He knows your worst fears. He knows buttons that you don't know you have. He can find those buttons. 
And he's just exhorting him and all of us, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. It can be worse than you being unable to walk. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. He could easily have gone to have other people healed. He could have easily have gone to give Jesus some credit for the healing. He could have easily gone thinking that he was doing them a service by telling them who it was that had told him. There is no reason for us to assume that he did anything maliciously and violent against the Lord. I just don't take that route on these words. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. They didn't recognize the healing as an act of God. And even if Jesus wasn't the Messiah, he was a mighty prophet that was among them and they should have wanted to honor him and love him. But they sought to persecute and slay him. And so we continue to read about that even in the seventh chapter that from this event, the Jews in Jerusalem remembered that Jesus had healed the impotent man at the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath day and they wanted to kill him for breaking the letter of their law. And he will deal with them as we go forward. But brethren, we have learned a couple of things today. We have a word of God that you can trust. God cares about you as an individual because he cared for the certain man that was at the pool of Bethesda. And he healed them all together. And when he told that man, rise, take up your bed and walk, you are able to rise, take up your bed and do whatever God expects of you. And how do you know what God expects of you? He's put it in the word of God. He has taught us that his commandments, though strict and severe, and though requiring capital punishment when they're broken, violated, they are to be understood, modified by principles of mercy, principle of intent, and it's just beautiful. Amen. And David understood it. Other men have understood it. The apostles understood it. Jesus understood it. He's the Lord of the Sabbath, and he's taught us how to reason in the Bible. I hope that you can look at these first 16 verses now and appreciate them, the personal aspect of them, the instruction of them, the, the defense of our King James Bible from them, and our understanding about the Sabbath very quickly presented again to you today. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.